Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If you're looking for your next new truck, trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light-duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out their online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for further details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Will. Stop. And it's Griff. In this episode, we got Final Four recap, national championship. We got some MLB, NBA, and NFL talk, as well as the Masters. What do we say? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to Inside the Five. This is going to be a great episode, and we're getting right into things. The reason it's going to be a great episode is North Carolina is in the national championship. This episode is coming out on Tuesday. We are recording on Monday at around 4 p.m. We don't know the results yet, so this is going to be, we're going to be covering the final four. We're going to be talking about the national championship, making our predictions for you guys to see if we were right or wrong. Um, but we got to start in the final four, guys. We're going to start with the late game. UNC beating Duke 81-77. Will, I'll let you take over from here. We're in. Um, I couldn't feel any better about this game. It was amazing. Probably when it's one of like a really, really great game. Great Final Four. Um, Armando Baycott is an absolute legend for coming back and playing and fouling out, and we still won the game. <laughs> um... I remember, I think at halftime, my uncle texted me and he was like, he was like, UNC is like, they're done for like at halftime because like we, like it was close, but like we were trending the wrong direction, but I liked how we played. I liked how we played strong nose. We didn't really let them control the game too, too much. And I texted him saying that Caleb Love and Brady Manick were going to seal the deal for us. And they did just that. Um, Kind of bouncing off of what you said great game. I don't think there's any complaints about uh, the results here from the Final Four, but a few takeaways I wanted to bring up. One, Caleb Love loves the spotlight. He Every single time the spotlight's on UNC, obviously throughout the tournament, even in the regular season, he's ready. He plays well. Um, Armando Baycott, obviously, like Will said, but I kind of want to talk about Duke a little bit and how their stars disappear towards the end. Like, A.J. Griffin all game, he was terrible. He was shot one of seven. Excuse me. He's one of the – he's supposed to be a top ten pick in the NBA draft. I'm a scout, and I see this. It's like, all right, the biggest game of the year, and you just crumble? How can I expect you to play for my team? And even Paulo Banchero down the stretch, he didn't do anything. Like, 
the stars of Duke in the second half just didn't come to play. They were not ready for uh, UNC to kind of bounce back in the second half. After, I don't want to say a lackluster first half, but like Will just said, Duke was trending upwards at half, and they probably thought UNC was going to lay down, but it's proven not to be true. Griff, what do you yeah, think and, about that? And um, I knew in the second half when Duke was relying on Trevor Keels that this game was over. Um, we've talked about it all year. Duke's bench is awful. They have great talent through one through five, but once you get to even six, seven, like their sixth man isn't good. Their seventh man isn't good. Um, just the way that they play the game, like, but Trevor Keels was heavily relied on the second half. By then I knew the game was over because that's not the way that this Duke team has been dominating throughout the run. They're relying on other people to step up and Trevor, Ke- Trevor Keels could, um, but nobody else that was supposed to already be doing good was. And, and as you said, Paolo Banchero, um, you can look at the stat sheet. You can see that he had 20 and 10. In my opinion, it was 20. Like, I mean, there was a couple of good buckets in there. Late in the game, I didn't see him do anything. I saw one pass from him that um, could have been an assist, um, but it was actually a foul that led to Williams shooting two free throws. The, the idiot missed both of them because he's terrible. Um, Duke. Duke is terrible. Coach K ends with a loss. Um, he can't beat UNC. He's 50 and 50 all time against UNC officially. So Coach K certified against my team, certified not a winner. It's a great feeling. Um, Paolo Banchero should be a top five pick. Um, I don't agree with it. Can't shoot the ball. Um, can't win big games. AJ Griffin, he had six points. If you put me out there for 30 minutes, I could huck up a bunch of threes. I think I might be able to get six points out of it, too. Um, Puff Johnson, great minutes off the bench. Nine minutes really sealed the deal because he actually came in. And you know what? He had two points. And you can laugh at me all you want. These nine minutes that Puff Johnson put in, Cam Johnson's uh, younger Mm -hmm. brother of the Phoenix Suns, those were a big five minutes because that's what Bay caught. Um, got taken out. They had to go with a bit of a, a smaller lineup. Puff Johnson went in there and he played defense. He hit two big free throws as well. His only two points of his game, of the whole game, I think were in the last two minutes, um, to to be on the bench pretty much the whole game and, and hit those big free throws is awesome. Um, the man of the hour, though, Caleb Love, he is he's the best player in the tournament. I'm sorry. And Armando Baker at 11 and 21 doesn't have an ankle at the moment. Still going to play on Monday night. Caleb Love is single-handedly carrying us. And Will, you said he has, or was it stop? He wants to take the shot, right? But it's not even that. I just don't think, and we talked about, I love to bring it up with the Bengals. It's the young guys that are just out there having fun. He doesn't care about the moment. It's not that he wants to be in the moment. He just didn't didn't care about the moment. He was just playing his game of basketball stuff. That's why they won it. And and, and you can talk about Duke all you want in this new era, whatever their new coach's name is, isn't going to be as good. Coach K had a good career. He won five natty stuff. Um, what does this mean for his legacy? Oh, he's an absolute loser. You finished 500 against your rival. You are, I'm sorry, that's, I don't want to say that's terrible because UNC is a great program. But if you're this coveted head coach, the best coach of all time, some people say, and you don't have a winning record against your rival, what does that really mean? Like, think of it like this. What if Bill Belichick, by the time it's all said and done, he finished with a 500 record against the Bills or 500 against the Dolphins or something like that? He'd be, he wouldn't be considered, like, where he is right now. You have to have success against the best teams. And if you don't have 
even 500, that's not success. I'm sorry. No one really plays to be 500. So he was at Duke for 5,000 years. And for him to split the series against UNC, that's not good. Especially losing to a first-year head coach in the final four. Eight seed. Which I kind of want to talk about the seeding a little bit later. But eight seed, we'll we'll throw that in there because they are. You have the best players in the country. You got Paolo. You got AJ Griffin. Those are two guys who are going to go top 10 in the NBA draft. And you lose to your rival on the biggest stage ever in your final game. You're a loser. And I kind of want to add one more thing. I hate how he always feels the need to go congratulate other players while they're doing their press conferences. Why? They, he won't do it when the cameras are off. He'll only do it when the cameras are on. Like, um, Arnold Bacon was going through an interview, a lot of reporters around him. Coach K made sure to go up to him. Like, and he was like, I had you as my player of the year. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah, that did it. Who cares? Like, Coach K, who? Asked. Like, but <laughs> go take your L. Go back to your go back to your family and just retire. You're done. <laughs> now, good life after retirement. Yeah. <laughs> good save. Yeah, good just, save. Good save. See you on the links. That's it. Right. He's so just a certified loser, like at the end of the day. It's like, it's not it's not even that he's a loser. He won his five national championships, and, and like you can call him a winner in that category, but in life, he, he's a loser. And, and it's nobody's fault but his own, to be honest. And, and it I, I compare this man very closely to LeBron James. Um, there's like a certain sense of pride you have to have, and after the loss, it, it's funny because he's been talking about himself so much. And then they lost, and he was like, it's really just about the players. Like, if it was about yeah. the players, then you wouldn't have announced that you were coming back for one more year and this was going to be your farewell tour. You can't just go out and say, oh, it's all about the players. It clearly wasn't about the players. If it was about the players, you would do what every other coach does in when it's time to retire, and you're in the middle of the offseason, you're just like, okay, it's done. Like, like my great coach, Roy Williams who just called it quits. He knew when it, when it was time, and you saw that man, Will. You saw Coach Williams on, on the, in the stadium, in the bleachers, first row, with the little patchwork UNC mask, the mm-hmm. vest, the Jordan 11s. He is like how – that's the sister gene. It's just our old basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but UNC, an eight seed, in my opinion, shouldn't have been an eight seed. If you lose nine games and you're in the ACC, you shouldn't be an eight seed. Which doesn't really make sense to me. They they've got um, a big game ahead of them. Well, I'll uh, I'll let you finish up with UNC and let you transition over. Um. Yeah. No. Great dub. Love to see it. Coach K. Love to see Coach K go out against UNC like that's just iconic moment. But let's let's go to the big game. That's what we want to talk about. Um. Honestly, going in, after seeing how well they played against Duke, really coming in at the end, I really think this game is a coin flip at this point. Before we talk about the final, let's talk about the other final four game. Oh yeah, that's right. We do have, <laughs> but, uh, we do have the other yeah. final four game. But <laughs> but it's bad. fair. It's fair. It's fair. It is fair that you said this because this game wasn't a game at all. 
And I think that's why you met the Kansas absolutely obliterated uh, Villanova. Um, Stav, it's the end of a road. It was a great ride, though. They did miss two free throws, Stav. <laughs> and, and I I want to know how you feel about going eight for ten. First off, missed two free throws, only shot ten of them. Stav, was that the difference? Was that the difference? Okay. Well, let me get this straight first off. Remember the keys to the game that I said last episode for Villanova? You got to drive and you got to get to the line. They didn't do that. They looked like they were out of – they looked like a D2 team, especially in the first half. Kansas was running all over them, hitting their shots, doing whatever they wanted. And there were some spurts where Villanova would hit a few threes here and there and get back within single digits, and then Kansas just pull away, go up by 20. And that's the, that was the tendency of the game. I do think I – I mean, the I we all had – I think our IT5 bracket officially had, excuse me, Villanova versus Kansas in the Final Four. Which is great. I think we did. We had Kansas winning. Yeah. So I figured that this would be the end of the line for Villanova, especially with you're losing a starter. Uh, Gillespie can only do so much. He had, a, I think, he had a pretty good game. Um, just Kansas is so goddamn good. Like They're amazing. They look miles better than whoever they face, and we'll get into this in our next segment. But I think. North Carolina is the hardest team that Kansas has to face all tournament. And we'll, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited for that, kind of getting ahead. But Oshay Abaji, he's up there for my player of the tournament, along with Caleb Love. Like, those two guys have willed their team to their point. Uh, just Kansas just looks way better than everybody else. It, it, it's true. It's a bunch of NBA players on on that team. Um, and what what Kansas has that no other team in NCAA has is someone off the bench. Literally in the tournament at this point, you just need one person off the bench. That's exactly what Kansas has in Remy Martin. He, he's a guard that can come in, and he, he's honestly like a fake starter. Like he comes off the bench early, and I don't see him come out of the game. He is. An absolute spark plug. He gets the offense going. He takes the ball out of Obaji's hands, which is amazing. That's exactly what they need to be able to spread out that court more. It, it allows Obaji to kind of work off ball, get open shots um, w- without the ball in his hands. They are perfectly matched up to play anybody that that they that they come across. And a big part of this game is David McCormick. Um, when it came against Villanova, Villanova running a small ball lineup, McCormick eight. He's a forward, but he had 25. He had nine rebounds the whole game. When it seemed they were in doubt, when it looked like Villanova was coming back, they just get that ball in the low post. McCormick went to work. He had one crazy dunk on somebody's head. Um, that was insane. Kansas just looks like it's a bunch of NBA players right now, and Abaji is leading it. In the way that he's playing, he really looks like he could be like, a successful NBA player. I'm not even kidding. He's big. He shoots the hell out of the ball. He went six for seven from three. He started the game off. I think it was three for three or four for four from three. I honestly didn't think he was going to miss. Like once I started that, I was like, he might not miss and they might win by 30. Um, He missed one. He went six for seven. He had 21 points. He, he was special. He was very special in Stav. I agree with you. It's either him it's either love or you could argue Armando Baycott. The amount of rebounds that guy gets is insane. Um, but overall, Kansas is where they should be. 
to be honest. That this is exactly the, this is their floor it is making it to the national championship, and their ceiling is winning the national championship because it's Kansas, and we knew this all year. It was going to be whoever came out of that uh, that conference. It, it's been it's been a great year for that for that squad. Yeah, I agree. There's not much more I can really say. You guys covered it all. Um, I kind of wanted to, before we move on to the national championship, I do want to say again and reiterate, Kansas looked like the only number one seed this tournament. You know, we talked about Gonzaga, who we were all very low on. Baylor, who lost to UNC, who shouldn't have been a one seed. And who, Arizona was the other one seed? Arizona was, yeah. yeah the exactly. Pac-12's fake. Like, like, when you think about one seed, Kansas is the only one that stuck out. You know, they, they're yep. good on both sides of the ball. However you want to play, they can adjust. You know, like, you want to play fast, they're going to outrun you. You want to shoot, they're going to outshoot you. You want to make it a defensive matchup, they're going to out-physical you. So, it's going to be interesting to see how North Carolina adjusts from Duke to Kansas. We want to yeah, transition over to our Yeah, yeah. They, no, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, UNC versus Kansas is going to be a great one. You got a first-time coach in Hubert Davis um, going up against – wait, what's what's Kansas? Bill Self. Bill Self. Going yeah. up against Bill Self, who's done it before once. He's looking for a second. Um Looking looking at key matchups in this game, honestly, it's really difficult to tell. Like, it's it's actually up in the air. In my opinion, it's a coin flip. And you could say UNC is an eight seed and Kansas is a one seed. But UNC hasn't been playing like an eight seed. And honestly, if they were playing, if they started playing this level of basketball halfway through the year, halfway through the year, they would have won the ACC. They would have been a two seed, a three seed. UNC was not properly ranked, and I, and I think throughout this whole tournament, it's shown that the the committee honestly didn't even do a great job with ranking and and the placement of um, teams in the tournament. Um, but not, not, nonetheless, it, it's been a great tournament. I just think that that's one thing that like we've had great games, but I think teams weren't properly rated. I think the fact that UNC was in eight seed, they went and beat Marquette by almost 40 points is insane going up against the nine seed. Um, just kind of, I don't know, it was stupid in my opinion. But UNC, if Armando Baycott can play 70% of what he usually does, they'll be very successful tonight. They don't, Kansas, in my opinion, they have McCormick. Armando Baycott is stronger than all five of those guys combined. He is insane. He caught 21 rebounds on Duke. In the final four, I'm honestly going to go with UNC tonight. And, Will, I hope you agree with me. I'll pass it over to you. I totally agree. Um, Really quick about the ranking. I think they did an awful job this year, and I think that's what made this tournament going into it seem like, wow, this could be one of the more difficult brackets we have to predict this year because of the seeding. Like, if you, like – like in past years when you look at certain brackets you're like oh wow there's an obvious winner or there's an well obviously we have kansas as the obvious winner beforehand but like going into it i feel like we there was more than one obvious route that you could take i feel like this year it was just like too much of a coin flip to be honest but back into the national championship like i said earlier i do think it is a coin flip but i feel like the coin's gonna flip on unc side tonight i am a little biased there but i really do think north carolina has what it takes to 
outwill Kansas in the national championship. And I think what's really going to come down to it is early on that Villanova game, it was like the most sloppiest basketball game we've ever seen in the first half. They were just turnovers after turnovers, and they were just going back and forth, and no one was scoring for a short period of time. If North Carolina can get some turnovers from Kansas, I really think that will separate them apart this game. Um, I have to disagree. I'm sorry, boys. I'm going Kansas tonight. And um, I just think Kansas has way too much star power to actually lose. You know, we see it in the past where we want the underdog to win. I mean, I, I'm rooting for whoever. I'm just rooting for a good basketball game tonight. I mean, I do have Kansas winning or have them winning at all. But it's just I don't think UNC is very hot. It's very hard to come around or have a quick turnaround from that, how much emotion was poured out into that Duke game. You know, your rival, your, you beat Coach K, you have that status. For you to come back down to earth and play the best team in college basketball in Kansas, literally two days later, not even 48 hours apart, it's just, I don't know, I can't see North Carolina winning this game, to be honest. I just think Kansas has too much, like, <laughs> They have too much going into this where it's just everything's going their way. I don't know. Griff, what do you think? Stav, Stav, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this, and I think it's gonna change your mind. You're an emotional guy, and I think this is gonna get you. Stav, you know what this moment reminds me of? What? The 2004 ALCS. <laughs> Red Sox, Yankees, down three-nothing in the mud, right? Oh, Coach K, his final NCAA tournament, playing his rival, right? Obviously, he's going to win, right? Obviously, the Yankees are going to win. They're up 3 nothing, right? No. No. They didn't win. And the Red Sox won and the Tar Heels won. And now, you know what? They're going to play the Cardinals. Great team, by the way, that year. Fantastic team. They swept them. This is momentum. This is the end. Like, you don't want to catch UNC anymore, and I think the emotion is just going to pour over. They don't have enough time, and and this is a real test for Coach Hubert Davis to show if he is legit. Keep those boys or keep those men. You know, I'm sick of people. First off, and it was just in my head because I was watching um, uh, ESPN earlier, and they call they always call them boys to just keep trying to say that they're amateurs. But these men, keeping these men in check, that this isn't over, and yeah, we just beat Duke. But honestly, that's not what we're here for. We're here for a national championship. Whoever's in our way, we got to take care of them. And this is a real test for Hubert Davis. The reason I think UNC is going to win is because I believe in him. I really think that he is a great coach. Um, And if he can keep his players in check, all he needed to do was two days. And just right after that, be like, our tournament isn't over, right? And, and and we have one more game. We're playing a fantastic team, but we have beat some fantastic teams along the way. Let's just keep this going. If Armando Baycock can play stop, I really think it is going to be a fantastic game. And New Orleans is, is going to erupt tonight, as it usually does anyways. I, I, Monday night. I really think UNC wins this game because they've yet to fall under pressure in the presence of superstars. Exactly. Well, I I appreciate your comparison of the 2004 Red Sox to I thought it would get you. UNC. Yeah, well, <laughs> it did. so <laughs> what I want to compare this to is the 2017 Patriots, the year they lost to the Eagles. They come back, 
They beat the Jaguars in the AFC Championship. A lot went their way, and they come out and lose that game. I was also there. And it was a it just, game. I don't, I, we can compare coaches. I think Hubert Davis is going to be a great coach for the rest. Well, I don't of think the he's going to be a Bill Belichick. Don't like, don't. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to make those comparisons. I think all the comparisons across sports will end there, but Hubert Davis is a great coach. He can coach however he likes. However, pound for pound, you look at the matchup. Can't, there's no advantage. Like, I mean, Armando Baker, I would say. However, he's hurt. Like, there's no shying around it. He is not going to be 100%. Like, he's, yeah, he'll play, but he won't be the guy grabbing 21 rebounds, you know. Like, Kansas is going to have that advantage. They're going to be running, and I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up. And both Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, they're going to have a lot of pressure on them, especially with O'Shea Abaji, who's just going to be shooting. He shot six or seven from three against Villanova, who have pretty good guards as well. I don't want to take anything from, away from them, but just Kansas is playing – at a whole nother speed that UNC has not seen yet. And stop, I'm glad we disagree because I feel like we haven't disagreed ever. Um, so here, here's what I'm going to say back to you is the fact that Caleb Love isn't going to have to guard Abaji, but Abaji is going to have to guard Caleb Love. Leaky Black is most likely going to guard Oche Abaji. That's going to put a lot off Caleb Love's shoulders. He's going to go out there and get buckets, not worried as much on defense. I mean, whoever else he guards is going to be a tough assignment as well, but not having to guard the star player. Um, and honestly, I'm not 100% sure that Abaji is going to guard Caleb Love either, just because, I mean, how tall is Abaji? He's got to be, he's like 6'7, right? He plays small forward um, while Caleb Love runs the two, sometimes the one, depending on who's in, but usually it's RJ Davis running the one. Um, I think Leaky Black is going to have a big game tonight. This is a big game for him. He's he's a guy that he gets around four points, six assists, three steals, and about 15 times you see him on the floor, and he's always wearing all black 11s. Um, he, he's that kind of guy that's just going to lock up your best player. And, and if he only has to do that, he will do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if Coach Hubert Davis walks over to him and is like, you don't have to take a shot. You don't have to touch the ball on offense. I just need you to lock down Abaji the whole game. Leaky Black will do literally everything in his power to do so. I'm not saying that, I mean, Abaji is going to score like 10 points. I still think Abaji is going to score like 20 nonetheless. But but it's going to be a lot less off um, off Caleb Love's shoulders. I think that this is going to be a dogfight of just steady scoring back and forth. I think it's it's going to be an interesting game where – both teams are kind of running at their own pace. So nobody's really controlling the pace. It's just who, whoever is on offense at that point in time is, is successful. The only way this gets out of hand is if UNC starts missing shots. Because missing a shot against Kansas, you might as well mark it as a turnover because they're guaranteed to go get a bucket on the fast break. They're the best fast break team in the country, and I don't even think it's close. Every single player on that team is is so fast. And, and, and I said the same thing about Houston, but – Houston was only known for that. Like these guys just run the court. They don't get tired. If if UNC can slow them down the tiniest bit and they can sneak their way in, I think they can come out successful. Um, but I, just like it's been the whole tournament, Stav, I think UNC, I mean, you can mark us where you want. The committee marked us as an eight seed. We're an underdog. 
we are an underdog. We're yeah. a four-point underdog tonight. We are a four-point underdog on Saturday night as well in Coach K's funeral. It's it's going to be a great game nonetheless. I love Kansas. I'm a UNC fan. Honestly, I really want UNC to win, but I wanted to throw out here, I have a player prop parlay. So this is my prediction. Um, and it's two two players, each on one side. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Caleb Love over 17 and a half points. Oche Obaji over 16 and a half points. I parlayed that plus 190. Um, where does that miss, Will? It doesn't. I think it if does. it can't miss It's parlay. as simple as that. It's literally like how how was that gonna miss? I don't I really don't think it's gonna I I, I don't I don't either. I I that's like honestly the maybe the perfect parlay. And going to the question of who is going to surprise us tonight. I feel like we're going to see, I don't feel like it's going to be a surprise or who is going to surprise us. It's who's going to come back into action. And I think Brady Manic is going to be out there drilling threes and we're going to get a full Brady Manic effect tonight if they win. If UNC wins, Brady Manic will be alive. Yes, yes, that's very true. I haven't even thought about Manic. So I don't want to sound like I'm not giving UNC a shot. Maybe I I might have said that I don't see a world where North Carolina wins. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. I do think that this game is winnable for UNC. So, right. but a lot has to go right. Exactly. And an area that I really, I will decide who wins this game within the first five minutes of the second half. Every single time Kansas has played this uh, tournament, it's been a close first half, and then they just pull away. They always pull away the first five, ten minutes of the second half, and you can't stop them. You gotta be ready to absorb the punch and kind of fight back, especially like I perfect example of that is in that Miami game. Miami was up at half. Kansas just steamrolled into the second half. So that's where I kind of see the the difference between uh Coach Hubert Davis and Bill Self. Bill Self will make the the adjustments with his yeah. experience. Hubert Davis hasn't seen Kansas yet. So it's you got to be ready for that because no matter That's what happens, true. no matter how the first half is going to go, Kansas is going to come out in the second half a completely different team. Yeah. So the the one thing, the one last thing um, I want to put in before we move in is first off, Will, that was a great point with Manic. I think that Manic, if if he can play to to his full potential, you know, like like twenty to twenty five points. And he shows that there is a mismatch out on the court because that's honestly where it would be is with Manic. Just the way that he plays. I I hate saying it, 
but he literally reminds me of Larry Bird, the way that you watch him play. He doesn't beat you with speed. He just beats you by knowing exactly where to be. It's as simple as that. His passing is phenomenal as well. He can get shots in the post. He gets those weird little post fades. He can shoot from wherever in the gym. And if he can really light on fire, which he has the potential to, we've seen him do it before. We saw him do it at Oklahoma. Um, then, then it's going to be a whole different story. The last thing I want to put in, um, there's only been one number eight seed to win uh, March Madness. It was in 1985, um, and it was the eight seed at Villanova Wildcats. I bet they bun- oh, wow. hit, a, hit a bunch of free throws in that game. Um, but oh, UNC yeah. looking to become the first team to do it in the 2000s, the second team ever. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun game. Win or loss, I am a happy man as a basketball fan. At the end of the day, it's just all about the stripes. It's all about the rest. I hope they go out there. I hope they have a great day. I hope they blow the whistle. Give me a couple of charges. Give me a couple blocks. It's going to be a fantastic day. So I, I think say. it's a Speaking of Larry Bird and Brady Manic, that comparison, let's go over to the Celtics. Um, sure. They swept the weekend, which they showed up against first against the Pacers in a closer game, but then against the Wizards, which I really do want to talk about. Actually, no, I want to bring up one point about the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton is a stuff. He's so good. Mm-hmm. He, he is, is so good. Unreal. I absolutely love watching him play. And a Talking not about he didn't miss he missed like one shot against the Celtics then he fouled out. The outcome of this game I think would have been different if he stayed in the game. There's no stop for Tyrese Halbert. And he put up an insane game yesterday, Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. Against, I mean, although it be against the Pistons, um Pistons are good. Trust me. <laughs> he put up twenty I think it was twenty one points, seventeen assists, zero turnovers. Like, yeah. that's unreal for a year two point guard. Like, you, the Pacers have their guy of the future. Like, build around this guy. He's here to stay. He's a he's an all-star. He's going to be an all-star if not next year, the year after that. I really believe it. I thought Halliburton was – I mean, and coming out of college, I thought he was amazing. And once he was in trade talks, I was like, honestly, I'll trade anybody but JB, JT, and Rob Will for him. Like, imagine if he was on the Celtics roster where he doesn't even – because he can pass so well. The one thing I don't like about him is his form. I just don't like the way it looks. But at the same time, I like watching him play because when he shoots the ball, it's like, what is he doing? And then it just goes in. So it's like it's we it's oddly satisfying as a shot because honestly, it's so horrendous. But it's just like it's so good, like efficiency wise. Um, that's the one bad thing in my opinion about his game. It's just the way that he shoots. But the good thing about it is that it goes in. Tyrese Halliburton, I can't believe he got traded. He had no business getting traded. Um, any team would want to build around a guy like that as their point guard. He plays defense. He plays offense. And, and the Pacers, not in the playoffs. They are a good young team. Um, and you know what? The Wizards, um, moving on to this game that they played where they won by 42 points, the Wizards have been playing pretty good as of late. They, they've been trying to kind of find their identity. They found it under Kristaps who's been averaging like 20 a game. Um, and there was a lot of talk before this game where it was like, this is a game where the Celtics could low-key, I mean, you could say it was a trap game where Kristaps drops like 20. Kuzma might have a couple of points too. And, you know, Ish Smith for some reason is always so good against the Celtics, so who knows what he's going to do. Um, but we went in there. 
We handled business. And honestly, this is a team that we should beat by 40 points. And and I think that they made me happy because they beat them by 42. But just a little happy. I think we should have beat them by 40, to be honest. We're, we're a two seed. We are, we are a championship contender. We need to be blowing out these teams this late in the season so we can get in our bench guys to see what we're going to need for the postseason. I think I think it's as simple as that. Agreed. Um, a point I wanted to talk about the Wizards because I haven't really said much about that Sunday game. The bench put up historical numbers in terms of the Celtics. They hit 15 threes off the bench. And, yeah, we can make the argument it's against the Wizards. I don't really care. They're an NBA team. NBA teams can defend. And if you got guys like Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, and even Grant Williams, just after shooting Derek the White light, didn't miss from three. Right? No, he didn't. And I, I don't think he missed. I think only uh, Pritchard, Pritchard missed, missed a from three. He missed two or three times. And three. I think Neesmith missed, missed once. Yeah. So you got these guys coming off the bench. It puts a whole new confidence in the starters. Like, and even Ime Udoka was like, all right, Jason Tatum, he needs 10 minutes to sit down, collect his breath for the fourth quarter. Same thing with Jalen Brown. And if you can insert guys, like, I'm not saying obviously Derek White can't play forward, but you put in Pritchard White, Neesmith, Grant Williams, and they can hit their shots. That makes a huge difference, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, a seven-game series against a physical team like Milwaukee or Philly. You got guys who can hit their shots coming off the bench. You're a great team. I don't know if anyone wanted to add on to that or if we should transition to the week ahead for the Celtics. I'm, I'm interested in the week ahead because we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to wrap in because playoffs are coming up. We got, there's – oh, and – Griff disconnected. Continue with what you were saying. Yeah, no, I wasn't, like, sure what was going on earlier when you were like, does anyone want to add on because Griff looked like he was having some problems over there. But continuing on, no, I definitely do want to talk about – I definitely agree with you. Like, the bench is definitely going to give us a lot of confidence. That's very key for a great playoff run, and I think we already rehashed that many, many times. And especially after Rob Will went out and we had a great bench game, like, that's, like, exactly what we wanted to see. But we do have the Bulls, the Bucks, and the Grizzlies currently to end the season. Um that's a really tough schedule. That is a really, really tough schedule. Um, honestly, like, I don't know if this is like the right take here, but honestly, I don't think it really matters what happens here too, too much. I feel like the playoff focus just needs to be ahead of us. I think they'll go one and two in this stretch. I think we're going to beat Chicago on Wednesday. We'll probably lose to Milwaukee on Thursday. And then on Sunday, um, they'll probably be our bench guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, 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 Grizzlies might awesome. the Grizzlies will probably have everyone seated too by then as well. So yeah. like it's gonna no, be like it's, a, just, it, awesome. it, it's just gonna be yeah. It's gonna like we might win that game. We might lose that game. It might be like a really good game because both of the benches are actually really yeah. solid. So like we kind of I mean we're half a game up on the Bucks. So I we have the schedule ahead for the Bucks as well, where they have Chicago, the Celtics. Detroit and Cleveland, they have four games remaining. I think we got we kind of have to root for a split in that stretch where we hope Chicago wins. And we, I mean, based off of my predictions, I don't really want to backtrack, but I think Cleveland has a good chance of beating them as well. Mm-hmm. So if the Bucks go two and two, the Celtics go one and two or two or one, we're in a good spot. I think mm-hmm. um, the two three seed is exactly where we'll be. 
which is perfect ideal situation for us not like i like we said earlier like have it like i don't think we're gonna get the one seed obviously but like even if we were in the running for that i don't even think i'd want that mm-hmm. exactly that's that's exactly what i was gonna say i i wouldn't want the one seed um just in fear of playing the nets and that doesn't mean that i'm thinking that we're gonna lose to the nets i think we beat the nets in, in about five or six but i'd rather play say the bulls who, who are probably going to be the six seed I'd rather play them as the three seed, and we could honestly sweep the Bulls. Um, a couple of teams that I don't want to play include, I mean, you could say the Raptors. The Raptors, first off, are good. Second off, I don't know if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to be able to play in Toronto um, just due to vaccination status. Because there, there's been a lot of talks about I, that. Guys. I think Jason Tatum's confirmed. I think he is. Jason he Tatum. Is. I think I heard something about Jalen Brown as well. I think the only one who's really up for question is Al Horford. Interesting. So, so yeah, like I don't want to play the Raptors just due to missing potentially any of our starters. Um, another team, say if we lock in the two seed, um, I'm kind of scared of the Hawks. You know, if they don't let up as the seven, Trey Young is very good in the playoffs. So is honestly the whole team. Danilo Gallinari, a great veteran off the bench. Um, other than that, like, I feel good against the Bulls. I feel very good against the Bulls, I want to say. I feel good against the Cavs. I feel good against the Hornets. Um, just getting past the first round. Um, co- going into the second round, it's a whole different story, depending on who we play. Honestly, I think... The one team that I do not want to play the most out of the East is the Milwaukee Bucks. They have been very hard hot as of late, in my opinion. And stop, you're talking about uh, their season outlook on who's going to get the two, who's going to get the three. Um, but I, I just hope that at the end of the season, where one of us is the two and one of us is the wait, no, because that wouldn't make sense because we would match up, right? I kind of want someone to fall off so we don't see them in the second round. Like I'd rather play the Heat in the second round than the Bucks. Yeah, so I mean, the but we gotta. If that's the case, I think we're rooting for the Bucks to fall off so they get. The Is it the four? four? Seed? Because no, the Bucks like numbers are numbers are so difficult to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, have it, I have it. I have it. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, the Celtics yeah. are the two seed, and Milwaukee and Philly are tied for the three and the four. However, uh, Milwaukee has a tiebreaker. So if we want to avoid Milwaukee or Milwaukee in the first or the second round, we would be rooting for Philly and Milwaukee to lose. Or we're rooting for Philly to win, Milwaukee to lose. But I don't think we can see Miami in the first round unless we get that four seed. Because Milwaukee's, um, I mean, yeah. Miami, Miami's not going to fall Miami. off. Miami, I think they have a pretty easy road ahead. Yeah, they have the Hornets, Hawks, and the Heat. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't honestly I, I I wouldn't mind seeing the Hawks in the first round compared to some teams. Um if we do play the Bucks, 
it's going to be like, who are we going to play in, in the conference finals? If it's the Sixers, I think we can get past them. If it's the Heat, though, I think they're just so mentally like, I don't know. Like, we when we play the Heat, I feel like the whole game, they're in everybody's head. Like, the Heat just have, like, superiority over the Celtics at all times. I don't know why it feels like that to me, but I just feel like every time we're playing the Heat, it's us playing the Heat, not the Heat playing against us. Like, I feel like yeah. we have to beat the Heat, right? So, like, I think it's Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. I'm scared of him. I'm scared of his mentality because he gets the whole team around him, too, at that point. Um, he's not good at getting a team around him in the regular season, however. But it's working out this year just like it worked out a couple of years ago. It's going to be an interesting finals run. And I really think that the potential of this team is very good if we can get Rob Will back. And, and we didn't have Rob Will at all in our speaker notes because, obviously, we know he's out. But there has been very good news, and it's looking like it's the four to six. It's looking like it's not going to extend out. I'm hoping for a second round. Here comes Rob Will. Here's the spark, spark plug. Stop. When officially, officially before the playoffs start, when do you think would be like too late for Rob Will to come back? Too late, I think. Well, based off of the recent news that we've heard, he's already back like on the court kind of rehabbing, which is yeah. great. I think – I'm going to rephrase your question a little bit for me to answer. Yeah. They need him beginning of the second round because that's when the real teams show up. I don't think we can beat Milwaukee or Philly without Rob Will. I mean, I mean, well, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but the odds won't be in our favor. With Rob Williams on the court, we could beat anybody. And I'm, I firmly – Anybody in the NBA. I agree. Yeah. Anybody like, in the NBA. Rob, and everyone's like, oh, well – they don't have like that much of an inside press or like they don't have a big, a good center or whatever. Rob Williams isn't a man-to-man player. He's a free safety. No one enters the paint when Rob Williams is playing. Like it makes such a difference. You force teams to take contested shots. Like on the back of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, all these guys minds. It's like, I can get beat off the dribble because Rob Williams is in the paint going to patrol that. And when you have the mentality not to allow threes, let people drive and Rob Williams is going to take care of business. You become such a better defensive team. I mean, Al Horford's still a great player, but he's not, he's, he's not Rob Williams. Nobody is Rob Williams for how he patrols the paint and how well he does it. Even on ball defending, he's still really good. Like you see guards who get switched onto him or like in a pick and pop situation, Rob Williams defends guards. He is so lengthy and he's so athletic where he can block a three pointer when they're five feet behind the arc. So, we bring up teams like Milwaukee and Philly and even Miami. We missed him against Miami last week. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they had free range, fast, whatever. No one was patrolling the paint. And we saw it against the Pacers too. So it's like we need him for the second round because we're most likely going to face either Philly or Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, honestly, I'm more scared about the whole – more scared about the whole. Um, I'm more scared about the whole situation where when pass injuries with the Celtics in the playoffs, where they come back and we have to worry about minutes. That's yeah. when I feel like it's too late for Rob for Rob Will to come back. When it gets to that point where we're just so much better, I guess in a way where we're fine with what we have, and then we add that other piece, kind of like in the past when Gordon Hayward came back in the bubble, or like when Kemba's playing with an injury, and we're like, well, who's really in? Who's really our guy? What are we doing? That's that whole situation is what scares me. 
Yeah. So like with, with the with those situations and I can see how it happens. Well, in, in that situation, it would have to be we find a lineup that clicks and, and we've tried on a different a few different lineups that include um, Grant at the four with Al at the five. So so our, our one through three is lost. Smart, JB, JT. We've, I've seen a couple of different lineups um, with Grant and Al, very small, and then with Al and Tice. If one of those starts clicking, Will, that's the exact situation. Excuse me, but I feel like Rob will, no matter what. It's yeah. not a guy like Gordon Hayward where, or Kemba or Kyrie. Actually, Kyrie didn't come back that year, but um, it's not like Kemba or, or Gordon Hayward where we're not – only focused on the minutes that they're getting, but the amount of buckets that they're getting and the amount of time that the ball is in their hands, such ball dominant guys where Rob will comes in and stop. This is the perfect free safety like example where like I'm a Seahawks fan, right? And when Errol Thomas was out, when Cam Chancellor was out, we were a whole different team and you can't click, right? That's like the middle linebacker is the, is the captain of your defense, but one of the safeties is is the captain of your DBs, and, and and Rob will like as much as you want to say Marcus Smart is our captain, he is. Rob will is our post, like he's our whole post. It's not Al Horford who gets a couple blocks a game, or not a couple blocks a game, but gets a couple blocks here and there. But R- Robert Williams is our whole post defense. Like we need him, and no matter what, I think it's going to click because it's not some guy that we need for offense. We need him for defense. And, and we haven't seen that in, in all of these injury um, woes that we've been going through where, where the people that are leaving or, I mean, getting injured are people that we are relying heavily on to score around 20 to 25 points. I'm cool with 10 points with from Rob Will as long as he gets his 10 boards, which is just around where he is. So it's kind of a different situation. But if Tice starts to get his and Tice starts going off like he's done in the playoffs before – like, who knows what's going to happen? And honestly, I think no matter what, at the center position, that would be the best-case scenario. Um, Kind of going off with what you're saying about defense, I, I don't know if I was just interrupting Will, but I'm sorry. But I, this is a quick note. Perfect example of why we miss Rob Williams is this weekend. You know, the Pacers, close game. They're getting theirs in the paint. The offense, yeah, we scored 128 points, but the offense wasn't really clicking that well, aside from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But then you get to the Sunday game where everyone's scoring. And if imagine that team when everyone's scoring, but with Rob Williams, we win that game by 60. Like, you can't tell me otherwise. And, Will, I don't know if you have any further comments about that. No, I totally agree. I was really just bringing up that point because I, I, like, I only get scared of that because of the past. I really think it's happened. Is, exactly. Because it's happened before. And, like, it's the whole, like, minutes restriction to production like numbers it's just like it's such a screwy thing that happens with the Celtics and injuries it's like I'm not afraid so much for Rob Will but I am afraid of the whole idea because it's happened before because I really think if he comes back he's just going to fit in and it's going to happen like whatever we had in the past is going to sit there so like it's not like that terrifying as it used to be or like with our past players that have gone hurt it's just the thought that that's there because then we're like okay well he's playing not injured but he's playing off of an injury Exactly. And that's a whole different thing to take into into fact is that 
it's not about if somebody else fits into the role well and they start clicking and they get a lot of momentum. But it's also when Rob Will comes back and he can only play 15 to 20 minutes the first couple of games and it's so, so inconsistent because we only run an eight-man rotation. So you don't want to be battling minute restrictions while you're playing in the playoffs. It's, no. it's, as, it's as simple as that. Um, but moving on, um, a team that we like to cover because they stink um, is the Lakers. Um, 17 championships that don't matter. Um, uh, this is a big episode for teams that I hate, by the way, I guess. Um, but 17 championships that don't matter. The Lakers currently in the 10, 11 seed, excuse me, 11 seed, two games behind um, with four games left in the season. Stav, are the Lakers going to make the playoffs? Hell no. They're better without LeBron James. Like we saw yesterday, I didn't really watch the game, but I was box I was box score watching whatever. Russell Westbrook yeah. and AD had great games. Like I don't really want to take mm-hmm. anything away from those guys. Like I have nothing against Westbrook. A lot of people do. I think Russell Westbrook's just in a bad situation. I've said that all year. He's in a bad situation. LeBron James does not make him better, and it's show he shot way better. He almost had a triple double last night, and they hung with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a really good team, and. You know, I, it kind of brings up the question, are the Lakers better without LeBron? What do you guys think? Oh, yes, and two things. One, shout out Darren, because I was talking about this with him yesterday while we were on PlayStation, but he asked me the same exact question. And I was like, not only are the Lakers not going to make the playoffs, I would just like to rehash on the legacy, because I feel like we always talk about LeBron here, and I hate how everyone's like, oh, he's a Laker, great. Like, is he really, though? Like, he's been there for, what, four years, and he's going to miss playoffs, championship, first-round exit, no playoffs potentially. Like, that's ass. <laughs> like, yes, they won a championship, but, like, it was a bubble. Yeah, right. And they won a championship, the perfect year to do it for a team like that. Um, yeah. Anthony Davis coming back this late is, is like, this is your last shot, kind of, in a way, Willie. And, like – he came back way too late, to be honest. And LeBron, who's on on the sideline as well, who knows what's wrong with him? But yeah, like, I just post game the pressers, whole situation. Like, it's so it, stupid, in my well, opinion. Like, well, I just like well, I don't like anything about it. Exactly, and we never do because that's the case when LeBron loses. It, it's because he's hurt, and Anthony Davis is hurt, right? Well, when AD is hurt the whole season, and you're still playing, and you're LeBron James. Why Why are you not a top four seed? You're LeBron James, and you played – you were out, right? Like, he was out what, like 15 games? Yeah, so what, like, that's I don't 15 know. losses. I, I just Add another 20. Exactly. It, it, it really makes no sense because LeBron is supposed to be my go, right? And, no, and, exactly. And, like, and I hate the whole supporting cast crap too because russell westbrook like yes we gave him tons of slack everyone has been giving him tons of slack but you know what i want to give him credit now i actually want to take back some of the things that i said i want to give him credit for playing through it i know he said it the other night but he's totally right like 100 percent right like he showed it last night he played fan he, i mean they lost i like right. that was embarrassing well, he, he had a good drop 38 but he had a great game like he did his he did his part and he really showed what he was about and he was like hey if no one else is going to step up, I need to because I'm still a star. Like, you, we can't just take that away from him just yet. And the fact that – I think what 
Like it's just the fact that they don't even gel together. And then Carmelo got 17 too. Like what like I don't understand. Like they're playing well without LeBron, but then also when LeBron's on the court, these expectations are like this team should win a championship right now. But like it's not like that. Right. Honestly, to answer Stop's question, uh, my answer is well, first off, let me rephrase, let me re-say the question is the are the Lakers better without LeBron? I think no. I think they suck both ways. Like, I think they're just bad either way. I think they are as equal as bad. They've lost their last, what, seven games? Six games. They've lost their last six games. They, they've they lost a whole, games, a whole bunch of games before that. They're playing the Suns on Tuesday night. They're going to lose to the Suns. It's the Suns, the one seed, the team that's most likely going to win the NBA championship. They're going to lose that. They're already two games behind um, the Spurs. For that play-in game, um, they play Phoenix. They play the Warriors, who have been hot with Jordan Poole. Who, Jordan Poole has been a bucket. And then they play OKC, oh, yeah. who they've actually – OKC is like the Lakers-Detroit Pistons. Like, yeah, like they're 3-0 the in the Detroit Pistons. series. OKC is very good against the Lakers. And then they play Denver. They play four teams that are most likely going to beat them. They're done for the season. LeBron isn't my GOAT. I, I'm mad because we talk, we're talking about Coach K and Duke within like a – 40 minutes span so i was starting to calm down but now i'm back up um he is lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He is like not not doing what he should be doing, to be honest. He's not carrying a team. This this is his year to kind of cement it. I think it's crazy that MJ played like 10 years and LeBron's on year what, 18, 19, and we're debating a go. <laughs> right, like he played nine more years. All I'm saying is Jordan wouldn't miss these games. If your team's on the verge of a playoff elimination, Scotty would. And though. you're the, yeah, you know, yeah, Scott. Well, obviously, there's a reason why Scotty, yeah, Scotty Pippen isn't considered a goat. But <laughs> you have LeBron James, this guy who's making all this money, the face of the league, all this stuff, and he misses a game when you're on a skin against a Western Conference opponent, a playoff team, and you need to win to get into the play-in tournament. Never mind to get into the playoffs. The play-in tournament, in which he said he hated, the only reason why his uh, season's still alive is because this play-in tournament's a thing. I'm curious to hear his comments if the Lakers make the play-in, which they won't. But I want a reporter to ask him, is the, should the person who made the play-in game, should they still be fired? Because that's a direct quote from LeBron James. So, LeBron, buddy, what are you doing? You let him <laughs> down apparently. Like you got a lot of He's a prepare. Loser. If the Lakers don't make the play in, he should never be considered a goat. 
that's my that it solidifies. I don't care what he does for the rest of the career with this team with four Hall of Famers on it, not including LeBron. You got Russ, AD, Melo, Dwight Howard, four Hall of Famers to help you. The supporting cast is there. You have supporting players who would be buckets on other teams, and you see the other guys like Brandon Ingram going to New Orleans, being a bucket, Kuzma getting his in Washington, Caruso getting his in Chicago. Guys who are (laughs) the Lakers are becoming buckets and making a name for themselves in other franchises who are leaving LeBron. Lonzo Ball, another example, he is a little earlier. Guys who are leaving the Lakers are becoming great players, and they're leaving because of LeBron. We rarely see, we never saw guys leaving Jordan and becoming better players. Are you kidding me? When Scotty left, he wasn't, he wasn't the Scotty Pippen from the Bulls. You know, it's just like, I don't see the, the argument for GOAT. Yeah, he has the personal accolades, but how can you be a GOAT if you can't win with Hall of Famers on your team? Oh, I, I 100% agree. And my ultimate take to this too, my ultimate take, Lakers winning the bubble championship set the bar way, way too high for Lakers fans and the NBA itself. If the Lakers never won in the bubble and that never happened, the Lakers questions would not be here today. They would still be here, but at a very much lower scale, the normal L.A. scale. We are above and beyond the L.A. scale to the point where I don't even know where to rank this like type of like critic for the Lakers. Like It's like every single night, every single day, every single hour, it's like, is LeBron going to play? And then it's like, oh, we, let's make an April Fool's joke about LeBron not playing today. And then he like does, and it's like a whole scene. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are these antics? And if honestly, if they never won that championship, we wouldn't be talking about this today. Yeah, I, I agree because other than that one championship run in Disney World, um, Disneyland, Disney World, Disneyland. <laughs> Which one's in Orlando? World. 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 It's world. It's definitely world. Yeah, no, it's world. Um, after one run in Disney World at the ESPN uh, Wide World of Sports, where you play an AEU tournament, um, LeBron James won his only championship with the Lakers. First off, his jersey's not going to get retired there. Um, he's worn two different jersey numbers because he, like, I don't know if he thinks he's Kobe. <laughs> Um, I really don't know. Wait, no, yeah, right? Because he went from twenty three yeah, to six. Yeah, like, yeah, like, and his hair stayed the same. Like, what's that all about? Yeah, like, <laughs> if you want to be Kobe, at least like win games, maybe. Um, it's it's a disgrace to to such a good franchise. Um, from Minneapolis, um, with the Lakers, who haven't actually really done that much since Magic or since Kobe. Um, but before that, it was Magic and. You you can count or you can like go decade by decade, right? The the star players from the Celtics and the Lakers, and it's crazy because it, it's like magic. Like I'm not gonna go all the way back because first off, I'm not even 20 years old, so I don't know like most of them. Um, but Magic and Bird, and then it was Kobe and low key Paul Pierce, who obviously isn't at the same level as Kobe, but he beat him in the championship, so I'm counting it. And then you go to this next era where it was like the Celtics were trying to find themselves, so were the Lakers. The Lakers got LeBron, and now the Celtics have Jason Tatum. And honestly, LeBron shouldn't even be in that conversation when you bring up Magic and Kobe when it comes to the Lakers. Maybe the rest of his career I agree with, yes, but when it comes to the Lakers, keep LeBron's name out of your mouth when you bring up Kobe or Magic Johnson. Because as much as I hate that franchise, and as much as I hate the color yellow and the color purple together, 
they have been very successful. They have had some of the greatest basketball players ever wear those jerseys. And I think LeBron, with the level that he's at, with what he entered that franchise at, right, potentially being the greatest of all time, he has been nothing but a letdown to, to Los Angeles. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and, and, and LeBron James just hasn't lived up to what he's supposed to be. But he's chasing these personal accolades. The one that he's chasing right now is points all time. And that's why people still think he's good, just because he's getting a lot of points, because that's what he needs for himself. It's it's kind of a disgrace to to the to the purple and gold. Before we transition to the next topic of the NBA that I want to talk about, LeBron is the luckiest person in the world that the bubble happened. If the yes. bubble didn't happen, yes. the Lakers wouldn't have won the championship. And if the Lakers didn't win the championship, LeBron would have the most what would he be two and five in the NBA finals or three and five? what would yeah, he be three? He won two three. with the Heat, one with the yeah. He would have three. He'd be three and six in the NBA finals. Like he wouldn't be like he's very lucky the bubble happened. Just and then speaking of Mickey, kind of yeah. Speaking of Mickey Mouse players, Ben Simmons is just ruled out through the play in <laughs> tournament, um, which isn't really much of a surprise to me. However, what does this mean for the Nets? Do you think that they can be a bounce in the play-in tournament? Because now kind of seeing how this team has crumbled, especially as of late, even with Kyrie fully playing, what do we think here? Because I have a hot take that I want to talk about after. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think that um, the Nets, like we, we're talking about disgraces today. So we got Duke, the Lakers, and now the <laughs> Nets this season. Um, they shouldn't be in the play-in. Uh, Kyrie's played half the games. KD's been on and off with injuries. Um, Kevin Durant, a man I will never disrespect, actually, as much as everybody else likes to disrespect him. Kevin Durant, greatest scorer of all time. He's a bucket. I don't think I've ever seen him miss a shot. Kyrie, when he's on, he's on fire. Um, the issue with these two guys is they just don't know how to actually play basketball. Like, they know how to play basketball. They don't know how to get on a court and play basketball um, on Wednesdays at 730 at night. They don't play games. Um, so the Nets, that's why they're in the play-in. Um, with Ben Simmons, you know, you traded James Harden. James Harden's doing pretty well in Philly. I honestly haven't really heard much from Philly um, since the whole free throw fiasco with Joel Embiid shooting 75 free throws a game. So I haven't really heard much from over there. So clearly it's going good. That's the way it should be in Philly because nobody actually cares about Philadelphia and the 76ers. Um, but with the Nets, Ben Simmons, <clears throat> We said it was a win on both sides. Ben Simmons may never play again. Like, why Why is he out in the first place? He was out because he wanted to get traded. He got traded, and, and then he had to work out and, like, get back in shape. Why are you not in shape? If he's not in shape, that means something is wrong with him. I don't think Ben Simmons will ever play again, ever. I don't – like, he he's not showing me any signs that he's making any progress to return – in my head, he hasn't played basketball since he was practicing with the Sixers in preseason with his phone in his pocket. He's probably terrible at basketball. He's good at defense, but honestly, he's never been able to shoot a ball. I think having Ben Simmons out is, is a favor for this year because there's going to be no chemistry. I I kind of agree with you on the Ben Simmons part where, like, why wasn't he ready? Why wasn't he playing basketball? Why isn't he practicing? Like, I, like this is your job. Like, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day. He has like, to be hurt somehow, like, right? Yeah, like, I don't, like, I honestly don't know. There's no other reasons. I understand there's possibly, like, 
other like mental health issues that there's being raised in this situation here. But like, other than that, like, I mean, like I totally understand all of this stuff. It's just like, this is like your job. Like imagine someone going to their nine to five and then they were just like, did, did just did this. They're like, Oh, sorry. I just didn't like do anything beforehand to like come into work today. Oh yeah. Sorry. I just didn't print out any of those things. Like, how do you just do that? Like, do you like that? You get fired. Like you literally get mm-hmm. fired. Like he got traded to the nets. Like that's like a, like, that's like a blessing. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah, like that's like a traded to that, that, that's, a team that's that has like, Kevin Durant on it. That's like getting a dream job and then getting traded and then getting a better job than your dream job. Like <laughs> that's like that's like going out of that's like getting out of college, making six figures, but then in five years you go to a different place, you make seven figures, and you are rich. Yeah, no, literally. That's what Ben Simmons did, but he's played like but three he just didn't want to. <laughs> like, not like, even, he, not even. No, no, it's ridiculous. And then, and then the whole net situation to answer Stav's question, like I honestly do think they're kind of a bounce because they're so inconsistent. Yet, if they actually do bring it together, they could actually be dangerous. It's just the whole KD being scary in the playoff situation is really what is really what raises that point. So I want to give my hot take: if the Nets cannot get the seven or eight seed, they will lose in the playing. They will lose that first game because one and done, anything can happen. And you're facing a team like Charlotte, who is so consistently average that <laughs> you know what you're going to get out of them. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, the random off night for someone. Like, the Nets are done. One loss, you're done. They need to get into the seventh or eighth. I don't think it's possible that they can get the seventh. However, I know that they can get the eighth. If they can't get the eighth, they're going to lose in that first play game. I think that their loss to the Hawks to to bounce them out of a potential six or, or five seed, that meant a yeah. lot. And that showed a lot about that team that they can't go in and win a big game. And and I, I agree with you, Stav. I think if they can't get if they don't have two chances to get in, you can't be so sure about their one chance. And if they're fighting for that eight seed and they're the nine or the ten, they have to go out. <clears throat> excuse me. They have to go out. They have to win a game, and then they have to win another. And that and that's difficult, you know. When you when you are one and done in the NBA, which has never happened until the bubble, or was it after the bubble? No, it was in the bubble. Um, it's it's very difficult. You can't rely on your team in the NBA to just win one game. This isn't the NFL. You don't play once a week. You play once every other day. You're relying on seven game series. It could the ball could go either way, and that's why I love March Madness, and that's why I honestly really enjoy this play-in tournament as well. Um, because a team like this could lose in in the nine versus the ten to the Hornets, because because who knows? It's one game; it could just fall your way. I think that the Nets are gonna find their way in the playoffs, however, because at the end of the day, it's the Brooklyn Nets, it's KD, it's Kyrie. Um, it like in in the reason I'm saying is because. If they don't, that's just terrible. Like, that's an awful season. You mark that season off as two losses. That's not one loss. Not making the playoffs. This is a team that should be, like, if we're not in the championship, then this season is a loss. But right now, with a couple of games left in the season, you're playing a big game on a Tuesday night against the Houston Rockets to try to get in the seven versus the eight game. That's embarrassing when when KD and Kyrie are, are on your team. It's yeah, so it's weird to think about though. Like, the sorry, playing Bob, as, it's so weird. No. You go. 
it's like it's so weird sorry it's so weird to think that, that that's like a real thing and like the whole play-in thing like yeah i don't know like i like the play-in but i also don't like there's so many pros and cons to it like i don't know i like sometimes in my opinion sometimes new rules just ruin the game so much for me personally like like then it's just like especially like in like big conversations like going back to lebron like quickly they were like oh he had the plane like like just like small stuff like that like that's such like a ruiner team should i agree because look at the nets like Kyrie made a decision to put himself before the team when it came to the vaccination thing, knowing damn well that he can't play in New York. And by having a plan, you reward selfish behavior. Not talking about just stop vaccines right away, but like players sitting out, teams benching their star players and stuff like, like, oh, we can afford to lose seven games in a row because we can be the 10 seed and then make a run in the playoffs. Like, although it's not guaranteed to win, if you're a good team like the Nets, who have been put, like, who have kind of disobeyed rules in a sense, they're getting rewarded right now. They're a ten seed. Prior years, they would not be even close in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So the play-in rewards teams for allowing their players to be selfish. And it's embarrassing when you there's a must-win game ahead of you, and you have. Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant, and you have these names on the team that are supposed to be big-time guys. And <clears throat> and I'm going back to the Hawks game because this is their biggest game of the season, in my opinion. Two teams that were neck-and-neck neck with each other. They're fighting for a chance to escape the play-in, maybe fall into a six-seed. It's it's doable. Um, and, and they lost. And the worst part about this game is that Kyrie had 31. KD had 55. They combined for 86 points, and they lost the game. There are so many other players on this team that need to step up, and that includes, honestly, because they need it, Nick Claxton off the bench, who only had four points, who's a power forward slash center, who had a lot of potential. When, do you guys remember when the Nets were young and fun with D'Lo and, and all these yeah. other different little pieces that are now no longer on the Nets? Um Nick Claxton was one of those guys where it was like Jared Allen and Nick Claxton could be like an awesome front court to watch. And Nick Claxton off the bench now, who got 24 minutes in this game, he got seven boards. He only put up four points. He had a positive plus minus, and Andre Drummond didn't. In my opinion, he outplayed Andre Drummond. Um, he's outplayed him since Andre Drummond has been here. They're not giving guys chances just because of youth. And I think this team is kind of in the hands of KD. Because Steve Nash, such a young coach, I don't think he earned the respect of this locker room at all. And no, it's the not same a, case with all these teams. And that's there's so many different issues with the Nets, and that's why that's they're not winning. That's embarrassing. Steve Nash is an, is an embarrassment, to be honest. And I love I'm Steve very, Nash. He should have just not. Canadian him. hero. Like, like, this kind of tarnishes a little bit of his, like, basketball mind and stuff. He can't command anything from the Nets locker room. Like, he has no control over what these guys do. You know, you got Ben Simmons, a guy who's set to make a lot of money, who you traded James Harden for, not going to play. Kyrie, Katie, say and do whatever the hell they want. They don't really play defense at all. Like, they don't really have an identity other than hope KD can be great. 
70. Speaking of selfishness, this is just kind of a shocking stat moving on to our last point about the NBA. I was reading a little bit about Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz. Apparently, yeah, there's a lot of tension there. Donovan Mitchell is probably going to be out of Utah. Donovan Mitchell averages two passes a game to Rudy Gobert, the starting center on that team. Not assists, two passes. Like, coincidentally, a pass off of a pick and roll. Nope. There's two of those a game, and they play a majority of their minutes together. What do you guys think of that? Do you guys think that's actually something to be concerned about if I'm a Jazz fan? I, w- I was actually really into this the other night. I saw they were playing their a game. I don't know if it was their last game, but Rudy Gobert had like a very, very, very visible mismatch where not only was it like a smaller guy on him, it was a point guard on him. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I think he was around like six feet tall. Rudy Gobert is seven one, and Donovan Mitchell just has his has the ball in his hands. He's dribbling. Rudy Gobert is the only person in the paint with this point guard. Donovan Mitchell looks at him and then starts dribbling and, and walks over to the left. I think this is crazy out of Utah. I think it makes sense out of Utah. Um, a lot of these teams, um, you can see how they get along, right? You can see the Celtics. They're all around the same age. The Suns, they, I mean, they're kind of all young too with CP3. Honestly, I look, I look at CP3 with that team. It's going to sound weird. I look at him like a dad of that team and it works, right? Cause they, they rock with him. CP3 is their leader. It's like, it's like toy story. All the aliens CP3 is the claw of that team. Um, but but when we're out here talking about teams like that don't have chemistry, don't have an identity, it's because of superstars, right? And, and there's superstars that buy in. And then there's superstars that are really about themselves. I'll name a few, KD, Kyrie, LeBron James, um, Coach K, even though he's not in the NBA and he's coach. Um, it's, it's like... I don't know how people are so confused about why the Nets are bad, to be honest. Because it's like, oh, they dropped 86 combined points. But also, the seven other guys that played in that game that were wearing a Brooklyn jersey do not like being there. It's it, like it's obvious because you're playing on superstars. You're like, okay, like let's go win a championship, right? And then these superstars aren't playing half of the time. And, and the coach, who's Steve Nash, who was one of the greatest point guards while we were growing up, um, who pretty much a basketball icon, especially in Canada, which is also in North America. He is a big name. If you can't get the respect of that locker room and you're a name like Steve Nash, then we should have been throwing up these red flags a long time ago. And we bring them up, right? We bring them up throughout the like end stretch, but it's the whole season guys. It's been the whole season and it was the whole season last year. Even when they're good, you cannot rely on them to win a series. The Brooklyn Nets should honestly, in my opinion, blow things up. And I'm sorry for, I keep saying, honestly, I feel like I keep saying the same phrases, but um, well, you're being they should, I'm just being honest, <laughs> you know, and I really think that the Nets should blow things up. I think that KD should go find somewhere. I, and I know we were talking about the jazz, but I ran off. Um, KD should go find somewhere else. And this relates back to the Jazz, too. They don't have an identity. It's because of their superstars. It's Rudy Gobert. It's Donovan Mitchell. How would those guys relate? Will, tell me how they would relate. Be honest. Because I'm being honest. They they actually hate each other. And it's, like, so funny. And, like, 
I really want to move on to the MLB, but before we get there, um, I remember saying this episodes ago on how I just don't like Steve Nash as a head coach. Love him as a player. I just never thought he was the right fit. Never thought he was good. I never thought his We've situational about this coach. Multiple times, Will. Yeah, I just never thought his situational, like play to play as a coach would ever be successful just because of the group of guys he's around. Maybe if you threw him on a different team, it would be different. Just I agree. I, agree. I just, I just don't think the Thunder first time. Shout coach, out Darren. Darren would love me running off on the on the Nets a couple that, minutes that, ago. Sorry. That, that would seem like a good fit. I just I don't think as a first time coach as young as Steve Nash should be coaching someone like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And that's no disrespect to him. It's just they are too old for him. They are. They're like around his age. Yeah, like in it's yeah, which is weird to say. It's just like it's Kevin Durant. Like like it's like the Tom so Brady much. with with Sean McVay, how Tom Brady is older than Sean McVay. Like when you're getting these guys who are top three in the league, which Kevin Durant is, um, and the greatest scorer of all time, and you're Steve Nash, and Kevin Durant has been beating up on you in the NBA for years. I bet every single time Steve Nash had to switch on to KD, KD got a bucket. Um, when they when they did play towards the end of Steve Nash's career, um, you're not going to get the respect from him. And this is a big respect episode, guys, because first off, I don't respect Coach K. I don't respect LeBron. Um, I don't respect um, Steve Nash as a coach. I love him as a player. Um, and, and to finish off my words on the Jazz, they need to blow that up as well. The Nets and the Jazz both yeah. need to blow things up. Donovan Mitchell is going to be a Celtic. Rudy Gobert is going to play in the French League. He only wins Depoy because he's French, and that rises the audience of French viewers. I know your algorithm, NBA. You're not fooling anybody. Marcus Smart, Depoy, Rob Will, most improved, yep. and all defensive yep. first team. Jason Tatum, yep. all NBA first team. JB, yes. all NBA third team. Don't sleep yes. on me. Al Horford is going to be our player and coach if Ime Odoka ever fails us. That's all I have to say about the NBA for this episode. All right. And I think that's a perfect transitioning point to the MLB. Boys, it's opening week. Like, opening yes. day is Thursday. And I can't be more excited. We got Nasty Nate going into Yankee Stadium to absolutely embarrass the fraudulent Yankees. I cannot wait to see the Yankees fans cry. The amount of times this offseason that I've seen disrespect from the Yankees when they have no place to disrespect the Red Sox, especially after we embarrassed them in the wild card game. Right? Let me remind you of Aaron Judge getting thrown out at the plate. <laughs> like, the Yankees are terrible, and I cannot wait for Nate Ovaldi to do the same thing that he did in the wild card game. Like, seven innings, 10 strikeouts, Garrett Cole getting pulled in the third inning because Trevor Story is going to take him 450 feet dead center. Rafi Devers is going to win AL MVP. The Red Sox are going to win the World Series. I don't care that they're losing in spring trading. I don't really care. Bye-bye, Yankees. Thanks for the free free wins in the uh, opening series. Well, first off, Stop. I'm glad you got that off your chest. I, the way that you presented that, I feel like you've been holding that in for a while. So I just <laughs> oh, want to yeah. thank you for, for getting that one out. Um, space. There's no better way to open up a year, and I think I'd rather play this first series at Yankee Stadium than I would at Fenway Park. The only reason I'd want them to play the first series at Fenway Park is so that I could attend it. Um, I don't ever plan on going to Yankee Stadium in my life. Um, 
trashy stadium, trashy franchise, don't like the way the pinstripes look. I'd rather see them wear gray on the road. Nasty Nate owns New York, the whole state, not even just the Bronx. He owns the whole state, um, even the West part, like Buffalo region. It's going to be a great opening to our year. And if we split, like if we go two and three, if we go three and two or three and one or wait, two and one, one and two, excuse me, because it's a three game slate. I think no matter what, I'm happy. I'm just happy that baseball is back. I'm happy that I'm looking at a Yankee on my screen and I'm mad because whenever I see the NY on somebody's hat, I literally get mad. I don't like seeing people wear Yankees hats. I don't know what it is. Whenever I see anything Yankees on, I hate it. My roommate is a Yankees fan. I made him put – he was, like, hanging up his jersey. Honestly, he wasn't hanging up his jersey on the wall. He was hanging up his jersey, like, on the shelf in our dorm, like, where you hang, like, shirts and stuff. I was like, dude, just just fold that and put it in your uh, dresser. Nobody wants to see pinstripes in this room. This isn't a pinstripe room. I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to wake up and be pissed off, right? Like, I want to wake up. I want to see oh, I want to see a bee on my hat. <laughs> my hat I'm, wearing. Uh, I'm still wearing a rival hat, but this, these guys are cool. Um, no, nah, Blue Jays hats There's clean. no better way, William to open up a season than against the New York Yankees. They are trash. I'm just happy. I'm happy, Will. How do you feel? Um. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, there's, I don't even have words. I'm just, I'm just ready to soak in hours and hours of Red Sox baseball. Um, I just hate the Yankees. I hate everything about them. I hate all the disrespect, like Stav said. I'm on the same exact boat as you. I just only see disrespect because what else What else would they be doing to us in the first place? They only give us disrespect. And I feel like we do give them hate, but I feel like we are just so much more respectful human beings to that organization than we should be. And they're just like, oh, we have like 26 rings. Like, congrats. Maybe win one in recent memory. Like, maybe maybe win one before my grandfather was born, like, or after like, my grandfather was born. Yeah, like let, let's let's get some recency around here for once. Um, the other part is I just like I just want to see everyone back on the field. I just like I want to see story. I want to see everyone in spring training. Like who cares? Everyone loses the games in spring training. It's spring training for a reason. You guys want to know? Joke. Oh, I, hold stuff. on. I'm gonna go over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, a yeah. joke the Yankees are. Like, I I feel like they don't get enough hate from across the league. They are such a joke. Like, the fact that their fans say 27 rings as a comeback is just so disgusting. Like, shut up. 
<laughs> like, what are you talking about? Twenty-seven rings for buddy. You haven't won since two thousand and nine, and every single year it's the same narrative. Oh, this is the year of the twenty-eighth ring, twenty-eighth ring or bust, and they lose in the wild card every single year or the next round. Like, if they don't win this year, blow it up. I don't care. Time to rebuild. They have all the money in the world. Apparently, there's no cap in baseball. Like, go sign Rich Crow. Go sign Shohei. Go sign all these guys because that's what they're going to do anyways. And they'll still lose because they're a losing culture. They suck. They have <laughs> nothing. Red Sox. How are they losing oh, culture if you have 27 rings? Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, Congrats shut up. literally nothing. It's so stupid. Yeah. Like, Derek Jeter, overrated. Like, Mariano Rivera, 3-0 lead. The Red Sox came back, like you said earlier in the episode, Griff. Wow, the Yankees just suck. They're just so bad. That's like Celtics fans saying, oh, we won 11 in a row. You guys had to, like, stop us from playing basketball because we were so good. Like, congrats. Like, like why would I ever? Like, I wasn't even close to born. Getting the bad juju out of the air for talking about the Yankees. <laughs> but you don't hear Celtics fans talk about the Bill Russell rings then why the fuck do the bleep that out sorry <laughs> why do the Yankees when Mike like Mickey Mantle was playing like how many of those guys in the 27 rings they're dead now like those guys are all dead like don't talk about rings when no one on the active roster is still alive like nobody is still alive on that team none of the fans are still alive on that team like all the people who watch those games are like dead now like it's just i'm sorry i asked no someone way. i asked someone here who their favorite yankee of all time was because i was mad one night and they were wearing Yankees hat and he said he said joe dimaggio i was like oh you watched him in the 40s You've never even seen them play. They didn't have footage. They actually didn't have footage. Like, because we were like, you know, when you get in beef with a Yankees fan, you just start naming players. Like, so I was like, like I'm gonna be honest. My favorite player of all time. A lot of people say David Ortiz. A lot of people say Petey. I have a weird favorite player of all time, and it's Josh Beckett. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> Josh Beckett was my childhood. Him and Jonathan Papelbon, the dynamic duo, Papelbon coming out of um, the bullpen was electric. He He's honestly probably, Beckett might be my favorite player of all time. Like that year that they won it all was like the beginning of the, my love for baseball. So like he's, he's the reason, and, and, and you can ask Will Stop. Throughout the years of these playoff runs, I have had the weirdest favorite players on teams. Yeah. Like, Brock Holt was was my favorite player. He's a, he's a, he's a fan. Yeah, this he's year, a, this past year, was legend. the the which by the way we should sign him back. The 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 yeah. past year where we almost made it, my favorite player was Hirokazu Sawamura. Twenty eighteen, <laughs> Joe Kelly. Um, you know, the crazy part but, is we went to the game like to start the season off like very early against the against the Mariners, and Hirokazu Sawamura came in the game, and me and Griffin were the only people screaming his name in the whole ballpark. And, like, I think they had a walk-off that game, too. I think we lost that game because they hit – yeah, that game was uh, was wild. Um, Yeah, and then we were also the only people screaming Bobby Dahl back as he was going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Like, we were big Bobby Dahlbeck guys in the first – Bobby Dahlbeck owns Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium is going to be known as the house that Bobby It's a hittable ballpark. He just absolutely that Bobby destroyed. That yeah, the, how, yeah, that's better. The house that Bobby Dahlbeck absolutely embarrassed. He's gonna take his he shoes off. Bobby take, destroyed. Put his feet up on the 
He's going to keep his shoes on, put his feet up on the couch and say, F you, Garrett Cole, I'm going to hit two dares off of you in the first three innings because they're going to go through the lineup twice already. Like, <laughs> wow, Garrett Cole is terrible. Like, the Yankees are terrible. I'm just so excited. Like, wow. And unfortunate news, I'll just throw this in here as a quick blurb. Chris Sale is on the 60-day IL to start the year. He can return earliest in June. Kind of surprising, not really surprising. He loves the 60-day IL. It's not surprising. He loves the 60-day IL. Yeah. He lives there. The 68, yeah. like, yeah, he's the king of the 60-day IL. Well, he's also 6'6 and 48 pounds, so, like, it's not a big surprise that he can't maintain healthy. Like, he is the size of Hakeem Olajuwon and the weight of Muggsy Bogues. So, like, it really makes sense on why he can't remain healthy. Somebody needs to get him on a bigger diet. Um, but but some players that I'm excited for this year, um, I'll just name a couple. Um, I almost just named the whole team, but I'll name three. I'll name three players: TK, Verdugo. Those yep. are my two big guys in the outfield this year. I need TK to perform at the level he was performing last year, and I need Verdugo to perform a little bit ahead of what he was performing last year. Um, for them to be marked down as a successful year. My third guy, a dark horse for the Red Sox this year, is Kevin Ploiecki. He's going to play a lot of games. He's going to DH a lot. I. I in my like the way that I'm looking at this team, Pulecki's going to DH a lot when JD Martinez is taking his off games. He's going to catch in that rotation with Vasquez. Pulecki's a big hitter, and he's hit a lot of big, or he's had a lot of big hits for us in the regular season and a couple in the postseason when he came in to pinch hit. Kevin Pulecki's a big name. I'm scared of our bullpen. I'm not as scared of our, our rotation. But I will for I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with our bullpen. I don't know if you guys think that our bullpen is capable of anything, but as I'm looking at it right now, I know I love Salamora, but he is our fifth best pitcher out of the bullpen. Um, maybe fourth, maybe fourth, because I honestly think Hansel Robles is terrible. Um, Salamora, like I I know his ceiling, and his ceiling is like a six ERA. So I stop. Like, is there something that I'm missing out of this bullpen, or do we really need to make a move? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think I am co- I'm more confident in the bullpen this year than I was last year. I mean, we bring in guys like Matt Strom and Jake Diekman, who are pretty good relievers. Like, I trust those guys to come and pitch an inning when we need them. And we still have Garrett Whitlock, who probably might slide his, into that closer role. I mean, Matt Barnes, if he can figure his stuff out, I trust him. Like, it, there's still four solid guys there. I mean, Hanso Robles really did choke a lot last year, but he has a fast fastball. So everyone, so sometimes he can come in and play well, but I think they still should make a move, like relatively speaking, maybe even move one of the guys like when Paxton comes back, maybe he'll be in the bullpen, Waka, maybe Rich Hill. So there's still some room that they can move guys around, especially when Chris Sale comes back, one of the starters will move into the bullpen. And it's just, I think I kind of wanted to bounce off of what you were saying. Todd was lagging out. I was lagging at the minimum, so I'll I'll, I'll continue on with with his. I'm scared that he's oh, going to come back and continue me? talking. Here we go. Oh, he's back. Go. We got you. Oh, we what? Where did you leave off? Where did where I you, lagged? We were at the part where you were like, you were pretty much like basically back to what we were saying, like about the bullpen. Okay. All right. So. I, okay. So 
kind of bouncing off of what you were saying about three guys that I want to see perform opening week, opening day, throughout the season. Trevor Story, one. Like, this guy has the expectations for the first time in his career through the roof. Like, he's coming into the biggest market that he's ever played in. Obviously, he played in Colorado, where the light's never really on you in Colorado. Now you come to Boston. You got the entire city rooting for you. Everyone's watching you. Opening series against New York. That's how you get the entire fan base to love and respect you. You go into Yankees game and disrespect them. Like, that's what we want to see. So, that's one. Two, Rafi Devers, obviously. like. He needs to play like the AL MVP that we know he can be. There can't be certain points in the season where he goes through this huge drought. The MVPs don't have droughts. And my third guy that I really want to see, I kind of mentioned this in the bullpen, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes needs to be the first half Matt Barnes that we saw last year. That's very true. That is very true. Matt Barnes is – I think I brought it up a couple episodes ago. Matt Barnes is – he has to be consistent or we're screwed. He has to be our ninth inning guy every single time that we need him. And he's done it before, so it's not as big of an ass as it would be to ask someone other. You know, like, Matt, Matty Backpacks is legit. Like, he could be an elite closer. He's done it before. And the only issue with him was just that last year he was awful. And we had the big O come in and we had a lot of big games for the big O. That's why I'm sad to see him go. But that means we're putting our trust into Maddie backpacks, you know, and he's, he's a guy that we genuinely need. We need him. We can't have him fall behind in, in these ninth innings. We can't have him blow at any saves. We need Matt Barnes because the reason we've won a lot of games in the past, in my opinion, the reason we've lost won every close game, in the past couple of years is because of Matt Barnes pitching. He's been on. He has been on for the past few years, other than last year, second half of the season. Before that, he was automatic. Like, he came in, we were like, okay, the game's over. Like, he is an all-star. He could be a superstar closer. We didn't see it from him last year. We didn't make any moves. We're putting our trust into him. We need him to succeed. Um, The Sox opening up um, as the 11th, in the power rankings from ESPN, the other AL East opponents. We got the Blue Jays at two, actually. The Dodgers are first. We got the Yankees at six, the Rays at nine, and the Orioles in last place. Um, have fun down there the whole season. O's. I don't know if they'll win a game. Agreed. Will? Yeah, nothing Nothing about the O's. They, they stink. They're not even a franchise we're talking about, to be honest. I've been honest, very very honest this whole time. Well, that, however, one thing that the Orioles have done right, they provided housing for their minor league players. Like, they have provided a fully furnished apartment for each one of their players in the first team to do that. So, they spent more on their studio apartments than they spent on their team. So... Moving on to the NFL, right? Any final remarks, or are we good for the no, NFL? No, no I'm, I'm ready for the NFL. All right. NFL, two trades we want to talk about. We'll kind of go quick here because we still had to talk about the Masters. Patriot trade for Devontae Parker, kind of a shocking trade. You never really expect to see interdivision trades. or in, Yeah. And they yeah. gave up a third-round pick for Parker and received, obviously, Devontae Parker and a fifth. Does this make the Patriots better, or what do, what do we think? They're the same or they're better? Willie. Um, hmm. 
I want to say they're better. Devontae Parker's kind of injury prone. Like uh, I like him. I think it's great. Like I think like if he can stay healthy, this is a great trade for us. Like if he can really. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Prove his part for us. I still think we need to make more moves. I'm not content yet, but like, yep. I think we still have a few more things to do before we get into the season. Obviously, we have plenty of time. It's just, it, it would be... Some urgency would be nice, given Miami's moves, and be and the Bills in our division. But like, I, I, I like it. I don't. I don't really have any complaints. The only complaint is just making more moves. Um, All right, Griff. Outside perspective. I'm yeah. On, outside. Outside perspective. Um. Outside the five here, Jacoby Myers being your <laughs> wide receiver one still not a good thing. Um, Jacoby Myers, one of my favorite players on this football team. He's not a wide receiver one. I love him at the wide receiver two. I absolutely love him at the wide receiver three. I think Devontae Parker could fit into a wide receiver two role. I think that the Patriots should 100% draft a wide receiver in this draft. Um, I don't think that they should focus on any other offensive position. I think they have one of the best running back rooms in the league. I think Mac Jones is a great quarterback. They need to draft a wide receiver one. I would like to see them draft one in the first round, even though it's never worked out ever. Why not take another chance if you fail? So what What else do you need for this team? Um, a lot a lot is to be said about this move. I didn't think the Dolphins were going to ever trade with the Patriots because if the Patriots see something in someone, um, then you should honestly just say no. Like if the Pats were the one that reached out about this trade, which they probably were, because the Dolphins most likely didn't call uh, the Patriots and be like, yo, we need a third rounder. Like, what do you want for a third rounder? Patriots most likely reached out to them, right, to get Devontae Parker. They have trust in this guy, and that's dangerous. Because when Bill Belichick puts his trust in someone, he's either elite or he's terrible. That's why Nikhil Harry's your wide receiver seven. Um, and that's another name. Nikhil Harry shouldn't be wearing um, the blue, red and white in New England. Um, I don't want him in my state as someone that's not a fan of the Patriots. I don't want him in my state. Um, I don't think he should be playing football for this football team. I think they're too good for him. Get rid of Nikhil, maybe trade him for like a seventh rounder. Go pick up a wide receiver in the first or second round, and you guys are set. You're a nice, young, fun team. Get a couple more picks on that defense. Um, pick a wide receiver first, second round. Focus on the defense and the rest. That's my full opinion on this Patriots team for the rest of the offseason. Um, noting about the how the interest came about Devontae Parker, I hear that there was mutual interest between Devontae Parker and the Patriots. I heard Parker actually did want to come to the Patriots. However, I do think you're right about Bill Belichick calling first. I think Belichick called, and Devontae Parker's like, trade me to the Patriots. I don't want to be here anymore. So that's how I think it came to fruition. And here's the kind of moving on to the next subject. The Eagles and the Saints literally just swapped a bunch of draft picks. I think it's kind of interesting to talk about. The Saints received the 16th pick and the 19th pick this year from the Eagles, along with the 194th pick. And the Eagles received the 18th pick this year, 101 this year, 
237 this year, next year's first round pick, and a 24 second round pick. Saints win that trade, right? They get two first round picks this year. You win now. Yes. That's how you win. Yes. I, I, I win now, say, worry about later. I yes. actually disagree. Okay. I did see that. Um, I only disagree because this franchise has virtually no money. They um, right. they're paying players tons and tons of cash. They've had to give away players. They're just they're on a very bad end of the stick in terms of their franchise. They're not really heading in a direction. They're kind of just staying the same, if not like getting worse, but also kind of getting a little bit better. So they're staying in the middle. I feel like giving up draft capital while needing to rebuild and not having money is such a bad idea yet they're gaining better picks which you can see as a win but like realistically like what are they gonna end up doing well you know what i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna agree with you i think that the eagles win this trade the eagles know exactly what they're doing in my opinion that's what um, i was thinking very was honest like the eagles are gaining more um the, so they get they're getting the 18th pick. They gave up the 16th and the 19th. They're getting a first round pick for next year. So adding a little bit. This is a young team that wants to continue to get young or to stay young. They're getting a second round pick in two years. They only gave up. So ready, ready. They're getting two first rounders. They're getting a second rounder, a third rounder, and a seventh rounder. They gave up two first rounders and a sixth rounder. First off, they're getting two more picks. They're getting back a first rounder. Or they're kind of swapping out first rounders. This one's not this year. The Saints, this is the big reason why I think the Eagles won it. I think it's that the Saints lost it. The Saints have two picks. What are they going to pick at 16 and 19? They're not going to pick a quarterback. They just signed Jameis. Are they going to pick two defensive pieces? You can go out and you can get a starting defensive player in the third, fourth, fifth round to be. Yeah. Honestly. honestly, Well, be honest. Honestly, I think the Eagles had their eye on a guy and they're like "Hmm, 16 pick might be too early 19 might be a little too much of a reach get right in the middle at 18 and you found your guy (laughs) that's it that is definitely it well you among the coach (laughs) and they were just like why don't we just have a bunch more picks too like (laughs) we don't need 16 and 19 because our guy is the 18th guy both teams lost like could you say (laughs) that because the eagles suck and so do the saints yeah so like, what, I, are the Saints, Tom, what are the Saints going to do with these two first-round picks that's going to make them <laughs> a playoff, like, team? Well, the NFC sucks, so maybe something. Like, like they the can fit into guy, the 17th. It's not the 18th guy, though. But, like, I think uh, um, I, I, it's – To be honest, I didn't even want to bring this trade up. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, congrats. So many picks, that, Yeah. It's like, oh, congrats that this happened, or sorry that this – uh, that this happened, like I don't really care to read the entire thing. Like too many, just how do you come to this agreement? Like <laughs> if so you're many two picks. GMs, yeah. If you're a GM and you're sitting and talking to, like, if I'm a Saints GM and I'm talking to the Eagles GM, it's like, all right, let's trade. And then you come up with this. <laughs> what? Like, good job, I guess. Like, the, way to be I, very mid. I, like, <laughs> I like want to know what like Eagles fans have to say about this because they just hate everything that the Eagles do. Like they just hate yeah. every moment in their lives except for when Nick Foles beat the Pats. Like they literally they don't even like love that either. Like like they just don't like anything. And then like the Saints are just like I don't know we signed Jameis. 
Yeah, like you signed yeah. Jameson, you signed Andy Dalton, <laughs> and you have Ian Book and Blake Bortles as well, and Taysom Hill. You and, have yep. five quarterbacks that could honestly play a game for the Houston Texans. Um, you don't have a running back because one's in jail and the other one's Mark Ingram. Uh, Michael Thomas is never going to be healthy. Marquise Calloway is is a bright spot of that team, as is Traquan Smith. Your tight end stinks. Uh, your offensive line is old. Your defense is old. Mary's in jail. Is bad. Just exactly. like, that's just like such a mess. And honestly, there's nothing good there. So why would you just try to go get two first rounders? Like why wouldn't you try to keep your future? I don't like. It doesn't make sense. And honestly, they're going to have a quarterback and a wide receiver. No, like, like first round. it's going to be so stupid. It's going to be so stupid. They're going to draft two stupid picks. I don't understand Michael Thomas. Like yeah, before we close that up, guy, that dude has the meanest ankle injury of all time. All time. Like, like it puts everyone's ankle injuries to shame. Like, like I am very prone to ankle injuries, and like he, that, I don't understand how bad that could possibly be. He's out forever. Like you can't He's run like the slam. The Ben Simmons isn't actually hurt. He's just not in shape. It, that you know what you might have nailed that one. And that's why they don't I like the 18th here. guy. They want the 16th and the 19th guy. But that's why I'm here. Well, I'm just here to be honest. And then it's a very honest episode. It's such an honest episode. And that's why I hate the Saints, too, because they honestly spend way too much money on a team that was formed around Drew Brees that was 75 years old. Like, he played in Purdue. He played at Purdue when Purdue was founded. So I don't know why they built – put so much money around Drew Brees and unexpected just like get someone right when Drew Brees left. Like you have Jameis Winston and he's not a Super Bowl. I love Jameis Winston. He's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And he's he's a 30 for 30 guy. He's 30 TDs, 30 picks. He's not here to wow you. Well he is here to wow you with some awful plays and some great plays, but he's not here to actually win football games. And the Saints spent way too much money. That franchise is like low key screwed um, because of what they did to themselves. Getting two first round picks isn't going to help it because if one of them pan out, um, they're not going to be able to pay them. So the Saints done. The Eagles. The reason I like the move for them. This is my final remarks on the on this trade. The reason I like the move for them is because the Eagles spread out their pick um, for one more year. Um, they're going to get a nice young guy this year. They're going to get a nice young guy next year and have two first-rounders again. So the Eagles know they're not going to do anything this year. That's exactly what that what that trade meant for them. So let's build up for the future. Let's pull an OKC Thunder. And I think I think that's the only reason why um, I have the Eagles winning this trade. Yeah, it really doesn't. I think both franchises are mid and won't accomplish anything. So congrats on swapping for absolutely nothing. Honestly, we oh. talked way too much about that trade. <laughs> because yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> like, that trade just pissed me yeah, off. Yeah, I have nothing to say about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, welcome to Inside the Five, where we talk about how meaningless the NFL trades. Like, nobody else is talking like, about this trade. <laughs> nope. No one. Nobody cares. Yeah. If, you are in, if you're an Eagles or a Saints fan, you're welcome, because we're giving your, fran- your terrible franchise some shine. And like Drew Brees, though, but he was old, and you wasted too much money on that on that team when he was too old. Yep. And the Eagles, you hate money. I have nothing good to say about you, um, yeah. except that you won this trade. So that's that's it. Um, I, do you guys have anything else? No, I'm done. I'm pissed no. off about this. 
that we spent too much time on this. My bad for bringing that up. I'm mad. So, okay. I'm not but, even mad know, that we talked about it. I'm just mad that like there were so many things that we could talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna wrap up the the things I was mad about in this episode, so I can just no longer be mad about it. I was mad about Duke. I was mad about Coach K. That's two in one. I was mad about the Lakers. I was about Le- mad about LeBron. I was mad about AD. We're at five guys. Um, I was mad about the Yankees. Mad about Garrett the Cole. Nets. I'm on my second hand. Oh, yep, the Nets. Um, you know I'm not Steve mad Nash. at KD, Kyrie. Steve Nash. Um, we're at nine. Um, I'm no, mad Yankees. that the Yankees were sixth in the in the power rankings, and I'm mad that we talked about that trade. That is eleven. I was mad at eleven things. Um, and I, you know what? I had a couple bright points as well. You know, we talked about our Celtics, we talked about our Red Sox, and we talked about our University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Tar Heels playing in the national championship tonight at the night of this recording. You guys will know the results by the time you listen to it. So congratulations to UNC for winning the national championship. This is a total prediction. So if I'm wrong, don't don't bring it up. Um, we hope you guys continue. enjoy. Yeah, you Before right you continue. Pod, congrats to Kansas. Wow. I can't wow. believe he just did that. So I was going to say, Griff, before you continue, I was like, there's a lot of things that we were mad about today, but the one thing that we should be grateful for is that Duke is not playing on Monday night. That's right. Um, so, um, thank you, Coach K, for letting me hate you from the day I was born until today, because that is this is the end of hating Coach K. Me and Coach K are the same people. We just like to golf and do nothing else. We hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you guys in Augusta. Even though we won't be in Augusta, neither will you guys. But we will be watching it on TV. We hope you guys enjoyed, as always. Sorry for being idiots this episode. In peace. Peace. See ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.